The Classical Association presents Epic, Modern Writers, Ancient Stories, an audiobook of short stories written by entrants in the 2022 CA competition, who were inspired by Stephen Fry's trilogy, Mythos, Heroes and Troy. We're releasing one story a day for the next six weeks, so make sure you subscribe and follow the Classics Podcast and follow us on Instagram at the Classical Pod so you don't miss out on a single story in our audiobook. Relax, enjoy, and lose yourself in the world of ancient mythology. Sing to me a song of your own by Esme Hobbs, read by Katrina Kelly. I had always loved tales of heroes, men raging into battle, bronze shields blazing with light, the clashing of swords and bodies as they threw themselves at one another, and then a glint in the darkness, that singular golden figure lighting the way out of desperation. When I was very young, a bard told me that all heroes curled their hair. He said that they heated their swords like rods at a blacksmith's and wrapped their locks around it. He also said that all heroes wore yellow, so I'm still not sure if any of it was true. It was quiet where I grew up, little except sheep, and the light breeze that blew in from the west. I'd originally longed to be a hero myself, you know, chasing down artefacts of immeasurable power, succeeding where all else failed, travelling to the underworld and back, bringing glory home with me, and winning a beautiful maiden along the way, one who loved me above all else, with soft oxen eyes of a deep brown, long curling hair, milky skin, and a kind face. Unfortunately, a family of shepherds doesn't exactly make enough money to fund a heroic expedition. Heroism isn't cheap. There's the money for armour and weaponry. Of course, not to mention the travel costs. Ridiculous. What you really need is divine intervention, and it's notoriously difficult to gain the attention of the gods. There are three ways. One, be the child of one of them. Two, be a rich king or prince. Or three, be a beautiful woman. And, well, I'm none of these. Also, it's a bit of a dice roll over whether you receive positive attention for these or not, which is risky. But the bards that travelled to and from our city always had the most wonderful stories. Living on the outskirts of the area was quite beneficial. The views were excellent. And every bard who made his way to the palace of the king to peddle his tales had to stop by one of the outlying houses for a night in order to make the trip. You can't refuse guests, and I never wanted to. I would usher poor men off of the roads in the hope that they would have stories tucked under the folds of their cloaks and hidden in the twinkles of their eyes. This was much to the consternation of my poor parents, who constantly had to feed these men, although the men themselves were always grateful. We had one who insisted that he was a hero himself, come to reclaim his throne. As far as we were aware, our king was off in battle at Troy, although we did often miss a few important news announcements now that I think about it. He was a good storyteller, although his story had less to do with heroics and more to do with womanising, which I as a young boy found incredibly dull. The Cyclops was my favourite part of that tale. I loved heroes that weren't just muscles and divine heritage, probably because I had neither of those attributes myself. They were just more interesting. Sometimes I'd find myself a real bard. That was always a treat. I'd take his arm sparkling as the sun does on dew-dropped grass when it rises, glowing over the endless fields on a spring morning, 
dragging him back towards my house and chattering faster than the birds, begging him to tell me his latest tale. I'd sit, starry-eyed, on the floor before the fire, and many bards would indulge my childish glee, thrilled to finally have an audience that wasn't completely sloshed. These bards would weave their words like glittering mist, rolling over the stones around me, encircling, embracing, caressing my face with their phrases and ruffling my hair with their rhythm. The steady beat of their song soothed my heart of its wanderlust, and paintings burst into life before me with steady strokes, the murmur of the bard's voices rippling like ocean waves, filling me with joy and floating me into the heavens. It felt like a spiritual experience as a child, and even so now. I wondered at godlike Achilles, the poet-warrior, with his swift feet and roaring bloodlust. I gasped at Heracles, the man of many tasks, who slew a hydra, a dragon, who captured Cerberus from Hades and pinned the Canaan hide, who wore a shredded lion-skin as a grisly garment, plucked from conquest. I marvelled at Jason and the Golden Fleece, was amazed by Perseus and Medusa, awestruck by Theseus and the Minotaur. These heroes were my lifeblood. But there was no adventure where I lived. As much as I wanted to be legendary, no quest found its way to my door, stuffed in the pockets of the men brought there. I did, however, find a new adventure, a new journey. After each bard had left, with a wave and a promise to remember my name and face, to keep me in his mind, I'd trek up to the top of the highest hill near to my home. At the top of said hill was a tree. Its branches stretched into the sky, grasping at the fleeing clouds and cupping the sun in its fingers. Under that tree I'd sit, as the cold wind cradled my smile, my cheeks splitting, eyes glinting, and padded pink onto my nose with her chilly thumbs, as I sang tales to the sheep that flocked to my feet. Nestled in the roots of this tree, the rams and ewes would be my audience. I'd recite to them the stories I'd heard from my guests over and over and over again, until the tree was almost worn from where I'd sat, and the animals knew to bleat during moments of suspense. I could sing across the fields, hoping my words would reach some far-off kingdom, where a brave hero could sweep me into an epic adventure. I'd like to imagine that the nymph of the tree enjoyed my stories too, and rustled her leaves in happiness and anticipation. So when I grew old enough, and my parents had borne another son, secure in the knowledge that somebody could take care of the sheep, I left. What was it that had fascinated me about heroes? Was it their bravery, exploits, romances? Doubtful. Endings? Even more doubtful. Or was it the places I was swept along to, the words of bards forming my own little boat, sailing me across the wine-dark sea of story and song, and into the magical outlands of myth and legend? I finally knew. Heroism wasn't for me. I couldn't hold a sword, nor fight, nor form elaborate and cunning plans with the help of a goddess. But I could sing, and I could remember, and I could weave my words like Arachne, and form a tapestry of my own style. And, as it turns out, kidnapping every bard within a kingdom-wide radius and wheedling their stories out of them made for an excellent repertoire. So I travelled the world, for real this time, and I set sail across the ocean and made my way into the palaces of every king and queen and prince, and I took up my stool. 
I tipped my cup, and I burst into a song that pushed every emotion that I'd stored up before that fireplace out into my listeners. It was glorious, that first performance, finally the bard telling the story, and not just the watcher. I felt like the muses themselves. I walked on clouded steps up to Olympus and stared at the world that gazed in admiration. I looked into the eyes of a young child with no front teeth and sparked in her eyes the same joy and sheer devotion that a bard had sparked in mine. I would be her hero, and the heroes themselves travelled through me. I've always loved telling tales of heroes. <laughs>